0: This is Beat'em Down from Cult 45, the movie podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of superhero speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my heroes when I was a kid that is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books you want them to affect people right you want people to care you want, you want to strike emotions and I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions can you yep. imagine uh fiction starring Goofy and uh Mickey Mouse
2: I can totally imagine that you I'm sure somebody's cult, written like that one you know and friends,
0: Mickey? <laughs> What? boy ale with cheese Mickey? yeah <laughs> I could
1: totally so to I, I would
0: I would watch the hell out of that movie.
1: Yes, I gladly saw sacrifice up my, my progeny to you, a mighty marvel beast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, uh, it's my time.
1: <laughs> uh, how do you measure success? Hey everyone! You're listening to superheroes speak. And I'm your host Dave. And JD. And it's done again. Yes. Yes. This week, boys and girls, John is off. Um, he's finally getting his day in court. And I would just (laughs) like to state that us at Superhero Speak are behind him a (laughs) hundred percent. And we don't believe those women at all. There's no way he's guilty of what he's. Oh, oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. It's (laughs) he apparently is on, apparently got called for jury duty and we wish him well and, uh, and. Just always remember John the butler did it.
0: (laughs) Good to hear the shovel in the dirt was inadmissible.
2: (laughs) Shit got dark real quick this week. (laughs) So how are you, J.D.? You were off last week. We missed you terribly. Yeah, I had a COVID test. We had some uh, kids not being responsible, and I had been supervising in the weight room, and uh, I got Mm -hmm. exposed to a kid who, uh, who who was COVID positive, so I went immediately. When I found out and got a COVID test and um, negative, wear your masks, it's successful. And uh, yeah, since then, I'm just kind of lying low. Did they stick a Q-tip in your brain? They stuck a Q-tip in my brain. They might have taken part Ugh. of it with them. You know, it was the most... It was the most invasive, uncomfortable experience that I can remember. They also did a strep test. and I was so weirded out by it that I kept going, bleh, bleh, right before they even got oh, there. Man. <laughs> In my mouth out.
0: See, that makes me think of total recall when I need to take the locator out of his brain and have to yeah, that. Yeah, very <laughs> similar.
1: Very similar. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that you're negative. I'm nothing but negative. I mean, with the COVID. <laughs> with the COVID. <laughs> And how about you, Don? Long time no speak. Yeah, yeah, long
0: time. Long time no speak there, buddy. Yeah, I just had a a great show of my own with uh, you on there, so that was awesome. Unfortunately, woke up this morning uh, to a furnace that was on the fritz, so looking like I'm going to have to shell out and get that taken care of. But uh, other than that, life is is still great. Uh, having fun, as always.
1: Cool. Good to hear. I... uh... Uh, speaking of of JD's adventures with covid i had a doctor's appointment today just a regular checkup haven't been to the doctor uh in a while um since before the pandemic technically and uh i got to say like it was freaky cuz it's like all these rules like you have to call when you get there you can't just go in um and they come out to yeah. you take your temperature before you can go in to make sure you don't have it and blah blah but the freakiest part was when my doctor came in He's wearing a mask, face shield, and a full, you know, surgical gown. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, this, this,
0: like in the plague times, you see those guys with the B come in. Like, no, everything's fine. Everything's yeah, fine here. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, this doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. Yeah, why did you come and dress like that and take my blood pressure <laughs> and tell me that it's, you know, high. Uh, so, yeah, and then uh, – but that's about it. I, I was on this weird podcast last night. Um <laughs> Mega level nerds. They are some nerdy guys. Wow. Um, yeah. Show- <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, both of you have been on it. Thank you so much for that. But uh, it's a great time.
1: Yeah. So go check that out. You haven't Um available where all podcatchers are, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, live 930 on Sundays, Eastern Standard Time.
1: Yes. Cool. So. With that, let's move on to our favorite topic: some social media madness. Not a lot this week. Not a lot this week. So, so, so it'll be it'll be quick. I promise. Um, we had talked about, of course, the with Falcon Winter Soldier being pushed back to next year. And uh, our good friend Timothy Jones said, "I'm very disappointed, but I understand if they keep pushing MCU movies and TV shows back. I'm going to be 80 before I see any of them. Maybe I can get a time machine on Amazon." <laughs>
2: Things are pretty cheap on Amazon these days, especially if you have Prime free delivery and all. <laughs>
1: uh, we, we're not being paid by Amazon, so. Uh, right. I
2: take checks from Amazon every month, so. Oh.
1: And, and Mr. Jones, that's,
0: oh, uh, you know, very hubris of you to believe that you'll even make it to 80, but hey. Oh. Good on you.
1: Oh, Damn. Oh, 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 oh. Tim, Tim, it's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. He's just kidding. Don't Exactly. <laughs>
0: Nuclear will, war will take us out way before uh, I reach 80s. So. Probably.
1: Um, moving on to less severe topics, uh, <laughs> we had talked about, uh, of course, the CW canceling uh, Supergirl, and it'll next season will be their last season. And uh, Shadow Walker kind of said something that made me go, "Hmm," that's why I included it. Uh, this is good. Mm-hmm. This lets Supergirl. F- uh, from C- This let's get Supergirl from CW get moved to movies.
2: That's not gonna happen. It does not work that way.
1: No, no, not. It wouldn't be the same Supergirl, but the character, like you know,
2: They ain't making a Supergirl movie. They can't get a Batman. They can't get a Superman movie, right?
1: That's right. Not happen. Hey, we had a Supergirl movie in the eighties. Remember? Yes, it was terrible. No, terrible. Oh, it, it was wonderful was
2: slightly worse (laughs) than superman for the quest for peace (laughs)
1: uh all right all right all right okay okay uh i don't know i kind of would like to see a supergirl movie if they could do it right um they have to make superman
0: important first and they're failing to do that
1: they're failing at the moment but you know they could be succeeding with spending
2: $70 million to reshoot a <laughs> movie that was supposedly already cut.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is the sequel to two films that no one still likes, but hey.
2: He remakes a movie that no one likes either. <laughs> what wise money spent by
1: Warner Media? That's right. You weren't here last week to, to comment on that uh, story. No, I, and I, I was bummed about it, but I had to get my two cents in. <laughs> uh, moving across the aisle, we did talk about the new, they announced the Nick Fury show, which... Um, It's funny because I've heard some other people say basically, uh, something you say many times, JD. Uh, a couple different podcasts were saying, I'll believe it when I see it.
2: I should trademark that.
1: Yes. Um, Timothy Jones said it it would be cool if he's recruiting for new Avengers. I hope he's not a scroll. I think that it would suck. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that.
0: Uh I agree, Timothy, because I think Nick Fury has an eye for talent. You know what I'm saying,
2: buddy? You're oh, uh, one of those. Oh, here we go. The, Tim, Tim Jones, the master of the dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: Shadow Walker said, I like the idea, hoping that Nick Future Senior will appear in it and father and son can team up. I don't think they're going to go with that the storyline. I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, that'd be too much. Too much.
1: Yeah. And Paul Bronson said, I would have loved it, but Disney Marvel seemed to have decided that Nick Fury is a comedy set piece now. He started as a mysterious badass, and now he's a joke. So we'll see, but I'm not exactly hyped. It's actually a fair point, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, I am going to say, I kind of get that. He does need that re-badassery moment, kind of.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, like, they try here and there to have him, like, just show up, like, in, uh... Which Avengers movie was it? Was Ultron when they're at the farm?
2: Yeah,
1: and uh, right, and he just kind of mysteriously shows up, you know. But uh, I don't know. I think him kind of—I hate to say it this way—but him kind of playing second fiddle to Captain Marvel in her movie, right? Um, maybe. Her and
0: number. he lost his eye because of a cat. I mean, I know yes. it's an alien cat, but... even
1: cat,
2: but yeah, not quite as cool as the World War II Nick Fury.
1: Yes. So we'll see. He's—I have faith they can bring him back but we'll see all right well that's actually it this week for social media madness it kept it short kept it sweet but if you would like to know how you can be a part of social media madness here again is our good friend d square to tell you how you can get more oh yeah enjoying the show want to be
0: part of social media madness Check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World all Star Podcast Network includes great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag G W All Stars. You will not be disappointed. Now it's back to Dave and the boys on superhero speak. Ah, uh-huh,
2: thank you for that, Don. How could he be here and there at the same time? If he's here, then I mean, was he there? But for there crisis on Infinite Don's. <laughs> I was going to
0: say uh, <laughs> In- Infinity Stones, but yes, there you go. That works too. Crisis on Infinite Don's.
1: That sounds like the <laughs> episode title.
0: No, that's,
1: that sounds like a bad porno. Yeah. <laughs> I'd
2: say it was a good porno.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, yes. Um, don't forget to check out the Omega Nerd, Omega Level Nerd podcast on Twitch every Sunday at nine thirty p.m. Eastern.
0: Appreciate that, sir. Yep. Check us out. Give us a try. We go. We go deep, though. We go on the deep end of things. I I will warn you. We get in the weeds.
1: Yes. And on that note, we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Alright, we are back. and Now it is time for some news. And, uh, there isn't a lot of news this week, guys. It's a, it's a really late week. Um, couple of interesting casting things. So, uh, first off, they finally cast Miss Marvel with newcomer Amon Valini cast as Kamala Khan, and, um, like, she is a newcomer. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. that she has been on. So, what do we think? Do we have any opinions on this casting? Uh, we'll start with you, JD, since I heard your thoughts last night, Don. Right.
2: (laughs) I'm okay. I'm not terribly familiar with her work, but, uh, I, I don't know. Looks the part. You know, they don't, they don't typically screw these castings up, so, I don't know.
1: I'm game. Yeah. She looks, um, and this is something we didn't talk about last night. She looks really young. I don't know how old she really is, but she looks like she's fourteen, thirteen, fourteen.
0: Yeah, you're right. She does look like she could uh, play that. You know, and I, again, I don't know her actual age, but you're right. She does look very young, which is awesome. That goes right along with the character in the comics.
1: Which also begs the question: Could they make this show, since it's going to be on Disney Plus as well, more geared towards younger viewers? They should. Yeah. Um, and, and, you
0: know, they, and they should keep her comic accurate to where she is. She's young. She's progressive. Uh, you know, she's cares about the environment. She comments on those things. And really, I've never read a Kamala Khan book, but you know, she was in, um, a, a Marvel superhero, um, superhero game that was on the Switch. Um, so, you know, she's in the new Avengers game that's out. So there's, Absolutely a concerted effort to put her on the forefront. And I think that's actually very smart because she's young, she's progressive. And I know that a lot of progressive people on Twitter and whatnot really want representation. And so th- this, this really gives them that. And she's popular in the comics. So this isn't a force woke thing, right? Like, no, it's not like force SJW. She's actually a very popular character. And so. I think it could be great to get new people into the genre.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think she's a character that does speak to that that age range not uh, not necessarily millennials, but the Gen Z uh, mm-hmm. generation. And 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 uh, you know, hey, if it gets them into comics, it gets them into comics. It's not a bad idea. Um, I, I I have nothing against it. Uh, I I don't know. You guys kind of alluded to this last night. I don't know anything about it because I really. Try to stay out of this stuff, but apparently there's a little bit of controversy about it. Um, and like, I think it's just a lot of times when this stuff's yeah. announced, it's just stupid people who don't know the character. Stupid people, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> I was being your drummer and, there. Yeah. But yeah, well, <laughs> 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 and and
0: yeah, it's like people complaining, you know, Daredevil's too woke. Like, yeah. have you? friggin' read a Daredevil comic before, buddy. No, probably you haven't, because of what what you're revealing yourself to be. So, yeah, there is. She's going to get that hate, but I'm a stickler for comic-accurate characters, and so I think they should go full tilt with that, and anyone that complains about it is just showing themselves to.
1: Yeah, I actually saw something where people were complaining because they thought they had recast Captain Marvel, So that
2: just shows you
1: they don't know Jack. Right. Jack and shit. Right. Right. Uh, Well, speaking of people who know Jack shit... um... John? (laughs) (laughs) You don't listen, so I can get away with that. Uh, No, no, no. There's a a young actress on Twitter. Um, Her screen name is Dua, D-U-A. Don't know much about her other than she had been talking to her followers and saying... She was in talks to play uh Miss Marvel and no one believed her, so after they announced the casting, she said, Look, here, there's proof and she took pictures of the script they sent her and a copy of her NDA or DNA so, no NDA. N D A DNA would be something different, and yes. much more difficult. Um and put those on <laughs> Twitter.
2: So, Dave, we've been talking about, like, NDAs lately. It's come up in our conversations a few times. Yes, yes. Now we're going to see what happens (laughs) when the NDA gets violated. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: I I just kind of wonder, does she not want to work anymore? I
0: think think she's just wrapped up in this Twitter bubble uh, bubble where she thinks it's going to get her a certain amount of clout to be worth it. I I don't know who I. She needs someone to like tackle her or to rip the phone away from her when she's feeling uh this kind of way because yeah, she just opened herself up to a a can of whoop ass.
1: Yeah, you were gonna say something, JD? No. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, Twitter bubbles. Twitter bubbles are real. So I think I think yeah. Dad's got a good point with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's one of those things where it's like you know we talked about this after Disney had bought Fox. And it was estimated that they now own, I don't remember what it was, it was like 40% of all entertainment at this point. Why would you do this? <laughs> <laughs> That's greatly reducing your chances of getting a job. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe
0: she got on some sort of cult. I, Yeah, I don't know. That's really putting the proverbial gun barrel in your mouth and just, ugh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bad move. Very bad move. Um, from bad moves to interesting moves. <laughs> I really want to get your take on this, J.D. Um, oh, yes. So we now know who one of the villains for the next Spider-Man movie is. And it's Jamie Foxx returning as Electro. So I believe the title of the next Spider-Man movie is Far From Ideas. Um, no, it's Spider-Man uh, Home of... Huh? I, don't know, I lost that joke so long <laughs> long <away. laughs>
2: I had it, I lost it, I lost it. I'm disappointed in myself. This makes no sense. Or does it? Play with me for a moment. Okay. Remember how in uh, in um, Far From Home, uh, we tease the idea of alternate universe superheroes? Yes. Perhaps this is literally the same Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. And what was teased in the second Spider-Man film becomes reality in this third one. A Spider-Verse, if you will.
1: Okay. We... I, I, I would agree with that. In fact, um, when we talked about it last night, so Jade, not J Jones, uh, JK Simmons in a recently an interview had talked about how, um, when he got the part for Far From Home and he, uh, didn't wear the hair piece, when he talked to the people at Marvel Disney, like the understanding was, he was coming back as J. Jonah Jameson, but this was a different version. That's why he doesn't have the hairpiece in it. But the people at Sony turned around and said, oh, no, 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 it's definitely the same Jameson, which doesn't make a whole lot mm-hmm. of sense. But it does when you take it in the context of Sony desperately wants to do a Sinister Six movie. And they do. Like not want to retread things is my guess. So, I'm 50-50. I think it could be... Either
0: some, you know, multiversal comic booky stuff, but I also think you're right. They want to get the Sinister Six. A lot of them are already in play in previous movies. So i I, I think you're I think you're right. I you know I again, well, yeah. it's fifty fifty, but it's a cool idea. And I'm just waiting to hear if Alfred Molina is going to reprise Doc Ock. That would be really something.
1: That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool um but the other thing was though jamie fox had said now it's a he put this on instagram and the, the, it's been since taken down but apparently he had put something on instagram about being recast as electro and he said that marvel it's definitely not the same character marvel wants to take it in a completely different direction then why cast the same dude that's so weird right so it's it's so i'm so confused um And, and here's the other thing, right? I was listening to, uh, Fans of Patrol today. Shout out, guys. Um, and the host, Montego, had said something about he, he really hated Amazing Spider-Man 2 and he hated uh, the electro in it. And, um. It's not very good. But I, but see, to me, is it like, is it Jamie Foxx's fault?
2: Oh, no, no. Is, is the, no, Jamie Foxx is a good actor. Right. Bad material. Bad material to work with. Like, he's not good in the movie. But he was not given much to work with. And the fact, I don't think Mark Webb has done much since those movies. So, I mean, I don't think it was directed very well either. So, I mean, Jamie Foxx is Jamie Foxx. It's just, it's a weird decision nonetheless.
1: Right, right.
0: So we could get Jamie Foxx with better writing. Yeah, for sure. That's a pretty good prospect.
1: I mean, there's definitely, he definitely does some, uh, scenery chewing as Electro. Oh. Mm -hmm. But again, but I think that's the direction and the script. That's not Jamie Foxx, you know, because I mean, right. you know, one of my all time favorite movies is Ray. And it's like, you know, how do you take that actor who and then, you know, go and do this electro? It's like, no, it's not him. You know,
2: No, well, I feel you. One of my favorite movies is Collateral. There you the go. Michael Mann film with him and Tom Cruise. Right. And Tom Cruise is a great example. Of when he's got good stuff to work with, he's really good. You know, when he's not. It's because, like, he's working with some crap.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I've been loving him ever since in Living Color. Remember that Wanda character he used to play? <laughs> oh, my oh, God. That was hilarious. <sighs> that show is so influential. No one ever oh, talks yeah. about it.
1: Classic show. Is that the one, I'm ready to go home? What's he, that? Was oh. Wanda the one where he's like, I'm ready to go home? When they're on the that. date? Yeah,
0: was, uh, yes, 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 yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. That was that character, Wanda. She was, yeah.
1: Him in, him in drag.
0: Yeah, ex- yes, him and you know. drag, and he was pucking out his lips, and,
1: yeah, hey. <laughs> yes, hey, that's it. Speaking of actors returning to roles we thought they were done with, uh, a friend of yours, J.D., has uh, said that he will be returning, that's John Wesley Shipp will be returning as Jay Garrick in The Flash Season 7.
2: So when he first, when the show was first announced, like, gosh, seven seasons ago, I think it was, I openly said John Wesley Shipp should play Jay Garrick. And they made him Barry's dad, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then they wisened up and made him Jay Garrick, like I said in the first place. <laughs> so I'm happy that uh he gets to work. I'd love to get him on for a podcast, but, man, don't do podcasts. So,
1: you but, know, whatever. But, wait a minute. But hold on. But he is – they took your idea, and he's being very successful with it. He should be grateful and come and do the show. I – yes, you're correct. That being said, uh, No. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he just don't want to. He just doesn't do him. Like I said, I I don't take it personally because every time I even broach the subject with him, it just like it's a conversation killer. But I never see him at anyone else's. So I guess it's just not something he's interested in, which is strange. But you know, whatever. I'm happy for him. He's a really nice guy and he's super talented. And I don't think got I don't think got the credit for being as good as he was during his prime. So I'm happy. I'm happy that he's working. Man has two
1: Emmys. Yeah. Yes, he does. And uh. I- are you excited, Don, for him to return as uh, Jake Garrick? Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's a quick
0: answer. But I really just, any news about this whole Justice Society and all these old characters really, really excites me. I think it has. Just just watch how us old farts spend money on this <laughs> stuff if they do it right. Just watch.
1: <laughs> old farts. <laughs> <sighs> uh so, yeah, because I would kept thinking, wait, didn't he die in Crisis? Yeah. But it wasn't Jay Garrick, right? It was his Barry. Right. It was his Barry that dies. Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's no, no reason he can't return, so.
2: Kudos to a man that can play three different roles on one show.
0: She, yes, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Almost as talented as, um, what's your face from, uh, Orphan Black. Yes, who's now
2: playing someone too that we just talked about recently, and I can't remember. she Hawk. I can't. Thank think you. Of of it,
1: but all right. Um, uh, I, I'm a terrible person. Um, me too. I can't think. of it. All right, all right. Oh. So, so, so here we go. Uh, speaking of being terrible, uh no, no, that's that's a bad way to start this off. Ah. Uh, speak, continuing on with Warner Brothers in DC. Um, well, not DC because this is an independent book. This is why it caught my attention. Warner Brothers will be adapting the superhero comic Black, uh, to a, um, to a film. And those who aren't familiar, the story of the, the, the world of Black, only, uh, black characters have superpowers. So, um, I haven't read it, but the idea fascinates me. I, but I also find it interesting that Warner Brothers, who owns DC, is going after independent titles to make movies.
2: Well, um, it's Kwanzaa and Jamal Eigel, both super talented guys, both awesome Twitter follows. Um, what's the most, what's the most, I'll say it, what's probably the most popular show on TV right now? I'd say probably The
1: Boys, right? Yeah, at the moment. Yes. It's,
2: this gives you your own take on it. You know, an independent look at superheroes. that's a little bit different and it gives you some flexibility. And I don't think it's being made by Warner. I think it's going to be made by either like New Line or one of their, uh, one of their subsidiary
1: groups. Oh yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, yeah. If it was, especially if it was new line that it definitely fits into their wheelhouse. Um, but I mean, what do you, what do you, have either of you read the book or no? I haven't. I can't say that I have. Okay. I haven't either, and that that's
0: probably a part of why they are doing this. Because I'll tell you, when it comes to comic book movies and shows, it seems the less I know about the comic, the more I seem to enjoy because I don't notice the deviations from the source material i get over the fact that i i believe that i should be a god of knowledge when unfortunately <laughs> i'm not they didn't go that way so uh, all those years wasted but they they can they, they can get around that and they can just make a quality product and yeah you'll get your stickler who okay i read the comics and i don't like it because it's not exactly like that but for everybody else you know we'll be like hey cool superhero stuff that's not mcu or crappy dc right now so i'm um, i'm all aboard just like you are with the boys so to me the it seems the less i know about the subject matter i i seem to enjoy the product more when it's when it's off the pages of comics and i don't really know what that says about me but nonetheless it, <laughs> well, it,
2: but i'm the it same is. way like there's a lot of things that people like that i don't i don't quite cling to if it's not like the book like um two shows example uh no i know was 42 like uh and I love the book, but I could not get into the show. Like just the changes, there were too many changes that I didn't think helped. And same with the Outsider. Like I love the Outsider by Stephen King, but the TV show, like it just it went, it, in my opinion, strayed too far from the book. So I'm always better off. Same way, like if I don't have um, baggage with a property that's coming to movies, I'm almost better off not having those ties beforehand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. No, no, I totally agree. That's the uh, it's the picky nerd in all of us. Um, we are picky nerds. Yeah, I mean I should be worshiped for what I know and now it amounts <laughs> to nothing.
0: <laughs> it's
1: good. Uh yeah, no. Uh it always reminds me of when my goddaughter was I wanna say thirteen, fourteen years old and she had the and one of the Har- and I don't you know, I couldn't tell you which Harry Potter movie it was and the movie just came out and we were talking about it and, and if she liked it or not, cause she was a huge Harry Potter fan and read all the, she would read the books in a night when they came out, you know, every mm. single one of them. And she's going, Oh, I didn't like it. Cause they changed this and this and this. And, and when you go back, you realize like they changed things in the movie because for time and, you know, they cut something out in, in book two. So now it doesn't make sense by the time you get to book four and blah, blah, blah. but like she, she was complaining about all these little details and I went, ah, welcome to the nerd club.
2: Right. <laughs> My wife's like that with, uh, uh, what's one what of those books? Uh, I always want to say Highlander, Outlander. You know, she gripes about the changes they make from the series or the books to the TV show. Like mm. everyone's a nerd about something.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't get me started on the changes in the Lord of the Rings movies.
2: Uh, I won't.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
0: mean Tom Bombadil could have ended it a whole time? <laughs>
1: Twice. Huh?
2: Nerd confession. Nerd confession. Nerd confession. I've never read Tolkien.
0: <sighs> never. Never. It's good, but it's a chore. Yes. I
2: don't, I don't like fantasy reading. Like, it's yeah. a lot of the right This is like a lot of the writer. A lot of the writers. Like, I find it to be overwritten. in a lot of books I have tried. Reading, <laughs> you <know? They're>
0: like, <laughs> yeah, why say something in
2: one sentence when you could take six?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that is. I know we've got this point. army
0: of ten thousand orcs, but let's talk about this leaf on the tree. Yes, and I just. And it's, <laughs>
2: I can't do it. I'm like I can't do
1: it. It just it's I think, yeah meandering. No, 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 no. It's it's artistic license. Oh, I get what it is, ah. but it's me in my opinion. All right, all right. Well, I know lots of words, and so you shall now too. <laughs> I think I'm going to check out. I'm going to probably get volume one of this book to see what it's like, and then complain about the movie when it comes out. So be fair. <laughs> well-reviewed. Really well reviewed. Yes. That's why I'm saying I'll probably complain about the movie. Uh yeah. all right. So that is all the news that we have for this week. Told you it was late. Very light week. So so now that now we're in October and it's the time of spooky ooky things. And I thought we could have some fun and have a conversation this week because obviously thanks to John not being here, our talking about a comic got screwed up. Um so I figured let's keep it light and simple and let's talk what is our top five favorite villains? Are we talking, like, straight comics or pop culture in general?
0: I asked the same question.
1: He asked, uh, uh Don asked me oh, before we got on, and I said, oh, yeah, no, anything. Like, any, because this is our pers- personal top five favorite.
2: Huh, all right, I'm a free list.
1: Continue. So, um, so I'm going to let Don start, since, uh, you, you know, you asked beforehand, and you, obviously you have a very well-prepared list. So what is your number five?
0: My number five is from a video game, Final Fantasy VII's Sephiroth. Ah, oh, um, okay. For me, he's very, very iconic. He has his own personal theme when not all villains do. Um, he's come back. And, of course, now is the focus of the new remake, which is a separate story and a continuation of the future one, strangely enough. But so very iconic, very cool, black leather trench coat, big oversized katana, long silvery hair. I mean, what what's a goth not to love? So Sephiroth is number five for me.
1: I didn't know you were a goth. I'm,
0: I'm not. I mean, I like like I'm like original goth, which means I like Black Sabbath. I like to wear black and some leather, but the eyeliner shit and all that's gotta go. <laughs> no, that's, not,
2: that's
0: not me. All
1: right, are you are you prepared to give
2: your number five, JD? Yeah, sorry, I just had a sneeze. By the way, Sabbath, awesome, holds up.
0: Yes, <laughs> agreed.
2: Dio. The Dio stuff is way underrated. I think we've had this. Underappreciated. Yes, I think we've had this conversation on Twitter before. Yes. My my number five, I'm not going to go, I didn't know particular order. I just listed five ones that I really like, because I'm really bad at ranking things. Yes. Terrible at it, as you know. So, my number five villain is one that became a bit of a TV trope. But at the time, it was something original, especially in the genre domain with which he debuted. This is a character that existed as the lead villain's main lieutenant, but constantly worked to undermine the lead villain because he thought he would be better in the role. He was a man unto himself, a man who only existed to please his own needs, but was a kiss-ass and a suck-up when he had to be. In fact, he wasn't a man at all, he's a robot. My number five is Starscream.
0: (laughs) Nice, okay. I almost quit Transformers myself. That's cool as fuck.
2: I'm on a Transformers kick right now because my kid is really into it, and there's so many. It's amazing how many versions of the Transformers there are. I've watched so yeah. many different Transformer cartoons in the last few weeks. But, like, the original Starscream was yeah. really the first example of a of a minion villain that didn't just, you know, kowtow to his boss. He secretly plotted to undermine him until he got his opportunity and tossed the boss aside until he came back as Galvatron and killed him. Yep. So, but the, the Starscream character has become a trope in, in fiction where you see the the underboss who secretly wants to be the boss. And that really kind of gets going with Starscream. It's even it's called the Starscream trope.
1: Cool, cool. I will not, uh, uh I will not, uh what's the word I'm looking for? Throw shade on my like, Yes, pick. I will not throw shade on it. Um... I don't know how you're <laughs> going to. These are our opinions. Yes, exactly. That's just total opinion. Uh see, my number five is not from a um cartoon. It is not from a video game, it's not from a comic book. Um, but he's become one of the most iconic villains uh in cinema history, and uh it's probably one of the most iconic Christmas movies of all time. Mm. And of I'm course, on. I am only I am talking about the one and only Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber in Die Hard. That's a good pick. <laughs> I mean you know, like, and it's funny, because it's like, this is a guy who who had a plan, and it got screwed up by this one cop uh who came to visit his wife out on the coast, and, like, you know, it's like, in fact, he's not an idiot. They show that he's smart. He just gets outwitted by this cop, because, cause again, it goes back to that other trope of he thinks he's smarter than, you know, than this guy, so... He should be mm-hmm. easy to defeat him under the whole underestimating your opponent kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, one of my favorite villains of all time.
0: All I've right. got a machine gun. <sighs> Yippee ki <laughs>
1: Anyway, Don, <laughs> you're number four.
0: Number four, and fortune will not be as appreciated without John here. But nonetheless, Urtu, <laughs> the demon from Forgotten Realms, uh, the Driss Books, there is on my number four. Um I definitely wanted to put a literature pick on here and I will say that Urtu the Demon, um uh, the way he goes about personally torturing Drist, um you you know anticipate this battle. Who is this prisoner that Urtu has that is important to Drist? And it just it's it's and when they finally confront him it's an awesome battle, and he's just a bastard of a demon. So, Ertu the Demon um, from R.A. Salvatore's um, Driss books.
1: Cool. Yes, that definitely would be one that, uh, right up John Daly. <clears throat> okay, Mr. J.D., your number, number
2: four, four. My number four pick is one of the most iconic villains in all of fiction. <clears throat> and that would be the aristocratic nightmare created by one Bram Stoker. And that would mm. be Dracula. Hmm. This is the character. Oh, thank you. This is a character who um, defined what a vampire really was for more than a century, because oftentimes the, the portrayal of the vampire is is an aristocratic person who, you know, a little a little fancy, but also a little bit uh, gross at the same time. You know, it's he's evil, but there's a seduction to him. And that that trope of not just a villain, but any any vampiric villain that might not be necessarily a vampire was created by Bram Stoker, and it's had an enormous impact on popular culture. And in particular, particularly Bela Lugosi's interpretation of the character came to define what a vampire looked like, sounded like, and felt like for almost a hundred years. Because every vampire is either an embracing of or a rejection to. What Bela Lugosi brought to that character a
1: hundred years ago. Do you have a Do you have a favorite version of Dracula, or just from the book?
2: Boy, I just you know, and that's what I like about Dracula is the book. Dracula is a lot different than the pop culture interpretations of the character, but you can't ignore what Lugosi specifically brought to the character. And I don't necessarily have a favorite version. Like it's one of my favorite parts about Dracula is I really enjoy seeing him reinterpreted. I really like the Marvel comic Dracula for the two of Dracula from Mark Wolfman and Gene Cohen. Like, um, that's a really cool interpretation of that specific character. But I also, like I said, I really like Bela Lugosi. I really like Gary Oldman's version of Dracula, like Christopher Lee. Like, I mean, I, I grew up on those movies. I love them. So, I mean, you can't ignore what Dracula has meant to pop culture and fiction in general.
0: Yeah, and even in comics with the X-Men, the X-Men a lot of times uh, brush up to Dracula. In fact, one of the, the cooler stories I like um, is when the X-Men resurrected Dracula so that he could help take out his son, who was growing this vampire horde, um, and they needed to dealt with that. And they actually teamed up with Blade, who wasn't too happy that they were going to resurrect Dracula and let him do his thing. But the plan worked. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, that's great. That's an awesome pick
2: i really like the uh the, the old chris claremont dracula storm story whoa yeah sorry sorry <laughs> dave, dave can't believe it um <laughs> i really like the chris claremont x-men stories with uh, storm and dracula those are always really fun
1: yes all right all right all right so my number four it's kind of tropey but it's a good man well i mean just for the fact that like He's not a great villain, but he's the villain in one of my favorite Spider-Man books that we talked about when we talked about our favorite comics, because he brought out the best in Spider-Man, and that's the Juggernaut. The idea of this unstoppable force, you know, that just keeps going to gets to his his target and, and is unstoppable. But again, because he brought out the best in Spider-Man, because Spider-Man, it showed him not giving up, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Good story. So, yeah, I, and that's, you know, it's it's all because of that one story. So, All right, Don, you're number three.
0: Okay. My number three is going to kind of come out of nowhere, especially if you didn't ever watch the show, but this is a Dragon Ball Z villain, uh, and it is Cell. So my number three is Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Cell is actually an android that is made up of all the DNA from all the various Dragon Ball Z heroes, and to me, that was the most epic, um, arc. We're talking about a villain who was very smart, played with the emotion of the Z fighters. And then in the end, like, even if you blew him up, like, he, he found a way to come back and, uh, threaten the world once again. So for the DBZ fans out there, they'll understand what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But Cell is just an awesome, awesome villain, um, overall.
1: Yes, I know, I know Cell. My son is a, a huge Dragon Ball fan, so. Nice. Yes. Cool. JD, you're number three. I Um, almost said John.
2: (laughs) I I curse you, sir. Um, (laughs) Number three for me is um, a character who has appeared in numerous novels by the same author, not often as the same person. Uh, Stephen King has an expansive multiverse that um, bridges across many different works of his in different genres, from horror to fantasy to slice of life. And the character of Roland Flag shows up quite a bit. Uh he's the main villain in the stand, probably his most famous appearance, but he's also the man in black, the adversary of I'm sorry, Randall flag the adversary of Roland the Gunslinger. So I got the name got the name wrong. Um he also appears anytime there's a character with the initials R F in any Stephen King book it's it's um uh, Randall Flagg, so I mean mm. he's a character that that has appears in in many of the works, including eyes of the dragon his his medieval story so i mean it's it's a really cool character that has a lot of uh that has a lot of viability, can't seem to really kill him, always seems to come back and always has some super dark ulterior motives to serve true evil so yeah Randall Flagg great character.
1: I always wonder if uh that's somebody in his real life um that became a character because you know he he's talked about this in a lot of interviews where he you know a lot of stuff's autobiographical or autobiographical.
2: That's
1: autobiographical. There you go, biographical. <laughs> um, or it's based on you know people in his real life and and stuff. So I kind of you know. He well,
2: wondered. he did an inter- he did an interview where he said he's the way he describes the Man in Black in in the first Gunslinger book which I believe was the first time – we don't know it's the same guy, but that's the first time this, quote, man in black character shows up. The way he describes them, describes someone that he met – I forget where he was, but he saw a guy dressed like this, and something about this person bothered him to the point where he remembered it specifically how the guy looked, yeah. and it inspired him to create his probably, – probably his – maybe not his most famous villain, but probably his greatest villain.
1: All right, so my number three, speaking of men in black – um now, now you have to, you have to stick with me on this one here. It's not Venom. It's the symbiote. Mm. Well, the symbiote in general. Yes. Um, I, because, and it's funny because it's, it, for the longest time, my amazing Spider-Man collection started at 252, which is the first episode with the black costume, right? And, um, but it's funny because it doesn't take long before you realize that this costume's alive and it's siphoning energy off of Peter and it's changing his personality and you know um basically he try he has to nearly kill himself to get this thing off of him by going to the 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 bell tower and the the um you know he finally shakes it off of him and it's funny because it's the the thing has kind of become a trope in marvel and it's just like you know it's it's had so many different hosts over the time over the years but like when it was initially introduced, and you really didn't know what was going on at first until like they had the iconic uh thing where he wakes up, you know, like they and they repeated that in uh, Amazing uh, in Spider Man three where he he wakes up and he's hanging upside down and he's like, how did I get here, you know? Because it was mm-hmm. taking him out at night because it, it wanted his energy. So yes, like people like go, oh Venom, blah blah, blah. but it's like Venom's nothing without the symbiote. You know, it's just Eddie Brock wanting revenge for losing his job, even though. He caused himself to lose the job. Um so yeah, so that's my number three. Mm. All right, Don, your number two? My
0: number two is Darth Sidious. Um mm. obviously
2: Emperor, Emperor Palpatine?
0: Emperor Palpatine. Yes. Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine, particularly now that we're in two thousand twenty, we have a nine movie story arc dedicated to him. <laughs> Plus all the cool stuff you see in Surprise! The Darth Vader.
1: Oh, sorry. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't like that until uh, about a year ago. But uh, <laughs> but just all, everything that he was able to orchestrate, uh, masterminding two sides of the same war, all to feed his lust for power and his plan to take over the galaxy for the Sith, even defeating Death and, and coming back, which even pre- you know, even pre sequel trilogy, when you go back to the legend stuff uh you know that still happened you know there were he he still had uh clones and whatnot and his dark spirit that would go into them so no one to me was quite as a bastard and as for long as Darth Sidious
1: I like it yeah good 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 pick if that's your number two, I can't wait to hear your number one okay JD, yeah. how <laughs> about number two? How's your number two? Lex
2: Luthor.
0: Ah. Uh, he almost made my
2: list. Lex Luthor, uh, I really, I like this character has stood the test of time and has evolved much more so than, than Superman, I think, in some ways. Because Superman's always had elements of what makes him Superman. But Luthor tends to bend and conform to uh to the era that he's in. Like, he's been a a mad scientist, a, a corporate fat cat, a... uh you know a guy who owns multiple businesses and he's kind of this weird amalgamation of of every version that's come before him and what I like about luthor that makes him stand out from most villains is he can't possibly match his rival physically but mentally like he's far superior it's only his ego that brings him down and it's uh there's a lot of cool things that have been done with the luthor character over the past 70 some years. Like he's cool. Like, and I, I tend to enjoy the vast majority of interpretations. of him. I like what Gene Hackman did with him as the, the crazy real estate guy. I really enjoyed Michael Rosenbaum's interpretation of him on smallville. That's probably my favorite version of Lex Luthor. Like he, they even did this insane story where he became president of the United States and went crazy, like the crazy work of fiction. But, um, it's such a good character. I just, I love Lex Luthor. <sighs>
1: Oh well, he's great. That was my number two, but in particular the Smallville version, uh, Michael Rosenbaum's uh, interpretation of Lex Luthor, because I think to me that's it's one of the definitive versions of Lex. And yes, I was going to talk about how he transformed, you know, because I mean, you go back to the early strips of the 40s and 50s, like Lex Luthor was just the generic scientist villain in the in the strips, and then eventually they gave him a name. And then, you know, he, he evolved over the years and then became the businessman, um, a lot off of Gene Hackman's real estate scam, <laughs> Lex Luthor, uh, in the original movie. Then, you know, all through the eighties and it fit with the times, you know, obviously big business, uh, evil rich people, so on and so forth, right? And then to the presidency, um, which uh, they touched on a lot of those elements in Smallville. They did. You know, and it was the whole duality of of the characters, you know, that they made made that show work. You know, Well
2: what makes I love that, too. What makes the the Smallville Superman so great or sorry, the Smallville Luthor so great is that he does start. He starts off as a, a good character, like a good mm-hmm. guy Yes. that we suspect of being evil the entire time. And he basically really starts making the wish to become evil because everyone's always thinking the worst of him. Yes. And like that. This long Shakespearean downfall of him that plays out over the course of like six six or seven seasons like is such a – it's something that we don't get in superhero fiction, like pop fiction a lot, is this long story where you really get to see a character evolve and turn into evil. It's almost like Breaking Bad-like. In, in the performance, and I think it's underrated. I think Michael Rosenbaum was fantastic in that role.
1: It's a good call, Dave. Yeah. And it's also, that's another thing that makes Smallville work too, is because of the long game as opposed, and it's one of the first shows that did that as opposed to, you know, just being episodic, you know, no offense to, to John Wesley Shipp's, uh, flash, but that wasn't, you know,
2: there weren't enough episodes of that to really make anything episodic.
1: Well, that's true too. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it was, it still was in that trope. Uh, of of regular, of TV at that point where it's like everything oh, will resolve sure. in the in the half hour, hour, you know. Yeah. so
2: Like Smallville got the bad rap for being the, 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 the kryptonite monster of the week show for a long time, but it was those little kernels of, of storytelling. Like, it was the little side stuff with Lex mm-hmm. and Clark that really built the foundation of the show. Yes. That made it when you watched it and when you imbibed it in its total continuity, it made it really, really good. Like, it's not a perfect show by any stretch of the imagination. I, mean, I think if it was around today, and they could do less episodes per season. It probably would have been stronger, but all that time just builds the Clark Lex dynamic to the point where it explodes, and like you buy that these. It makes the Superman or Superboy Lex dynamic work in better than any fictional portrayal of it I've ever seen. Yes. because there's so much accrued interest into it. Yeah, no, definitely.
1: And that's why he's my number two.
2: All right, I stole your thunder.
1: <laughs> that's all right. Okay, Don. Now, that is your your fantastic, wonderful <laughs> number one.
0: All right. So, you know, as an X-Men fan, I wasn't going to be able to stave this off for long. Oh, knew I'm, actually, <laughs> I, I'm actually surprised I didn't have more X-Men villains on here. But nonetheless, I think the top numero uno, who actually isn't even a villain anymore, Magneto. Eric Lencha, when I was growing up, he was the big top X-Men baddie, as he was for a while. And the thing that is compelling about him, not to mention his power, not to mention his relationship with Charles Xavier, but just the fact that I don't think I've ever looked at Magneto and said, boy, you're not justified in being pissed off. So he he's always been compelling to me because I absolutely understand where he's coming from. And I don't think a lot of people with that much power that went through that experience would be much different. So I always, always thought he was the best villain because he was damn near justified, you know, those are the best villains, the ones that convince themselves they're actually the good guy, they're doing the right thing. And of course, those are that are completely, I mean, let's face it. John Wick is killing people, right? Mm-hmm. He's not by definition, a good guy, right? But you killed his fucking dog. So I, <laughs> I want to watch him blow your goddamn head off for two hours. Um So that's, that's my same feeling with, uh with Magneto. And of course, you know, he's been in the movies, has, has there been a portrayal of Magneto in the movies that's been bad? In no. my opinion, no.
2: Oh, I agree. Both, so. uh, both Ian McKellen and, uh,
0: Michael Fassbender. I think, uh,
2: Michael Fassbender, thank you, Drew. Like, are both fantastic. I, I think I prefer Fassbender's interpretation of him, but, um, yeah, it, that's why I didn't want to include Magneto on my list is I just, um, I almost find him too sympathetic. And I think sometimes, sure. like, and I, I agree with what you're saying, but I mean, it's so, it's so hard to disagree with Magneto sometimes that I have a hard time really writing him off as a villain more than just an anti-hero.
1: All right. So I'm now frightened to both of you. Uh, <laughs> apparently justified uh, killing is good for you. I don't know. Uh, have, you read, have you read my books? Um, oh, wow, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Poor John. All right. JD. We...
2: <laughs> my favorite villain. Is Pennywise the dancing clown. Mm, Wow. Because at 10, when I saw it, I discovered, uh, I discovered Stephen King as a a boy when it, the television miniseries, premiered. And I will go down as it, for as aged and dated as it is, it's still probably the most effective television movie ever made. That original 1990 version of it. Tim Curry's performance is, um, like, The eviler version of Krusty, which is kind of funny because they came out around the same time. But there's something there's something in Tim Curry's performance of Pennywise that is um, very grounded and scary. You know, like you can almost believe that this this is a human like I bought that Tim Curry was a person who dressed up like a clown and hurt people. That reminds me of the fact, too, that I grew up in Chicago and we still have John Wayne Gacy stories, you know, Mm. around me like Mm. he's from my parents neighborhood. In the city, in Chicago. So I mean, like growing up in the in the '80s and '90s, and around me, like you heard, like John Wayne Gacy was part of our folklore. So to see a um, a physical manifestation of it spooked me as a kid. And yeah. the book and the uh, the Bill Skarsgård version of the character definitely veers more into the supernatural. But I think it's just as effective. Like, I think those two characters hit on a different level. Like, um, Tim Curry creeped me out as I, I bought that that could be a, could be a guy doing all these things. Like, his performance. And then he turned into a monster. Whereas Bill Skarsgård is a monster the entire time. And he just, he paints his face like a clown just for shits and giggles. Which is pretty much what the Pennywise entity does. And again, um, when you're into the Stephen King folklore, like, the type of creature that Pennywise is plays a plays a large role in the existence of the universe, but um, when you get down to it, he's just he's just a boogeyman that feeds on fear and and little kids. And there's something there's something so primordial and scary about that first it chapter that just uh, I've never been able to let it go.
0: I never even tried it, dude. I could tell that from a mile away. Up, oh, that's all sorts of nope. I'm not even going to subject myself to that.
2: <laughs> it's spooky, man.
1: And then you oh, get a kid
2: and it gets weird.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, it's funny. I had debated between putting horror characters on the, on the list. And I was just like, eh, it's just, to me, that felt easy, like a cop out, you know? Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But when you take a great character like that, it literally isn't a cop out, you know? All right. Oh, man. I went back and forth on my number one. Uh, for a while because it was between two characters um one's from marvel and one's from dc and i'm sorry it's cliche but you got to go with the clown prince of crime um we talked about the killing joke last week um uh, J- jd you missed that conversation I know. Uh, <laughs> um i thought i had the COVID. cut me some slack <laughs> <laughs> no i they- thought i had the rona come on <laughs> <now>. <laughs> no slack for you um Yes, I mean, you know, of course, this is a character that has evolved again over the 80 plus years he's that he's been around. Um, and we had talked about this, uh, last week. Of course, if it wasn't for Denny O'Neill and, uh, Neil Adams bringing him back in the seventies as a, a formidable villain, I don't think we get to the killing joke, which then we don't get to the dark Knight and Heath Ledger's, uh, killer performance. Um, or even Jack Nicholson in Batman. But, uh, but yes, um, you know, again, don't give him an origin, make him a force of nature that you're just afraid of, uh as you you know, you hear that laughter and you know you're gonna die. It's it's you know, it it's mm-hmm. counterintuitive and it's scary as hell. So yeah. Um I, I think and that's the thing, I don't know if I can't even say I have a, a favorite version of him, um or or a favorite story. Just it's he's definitely my favorite DC villain altogether. So mm.
2: I think it's a great call, and I had a hunch you were going to pick him, so I made sure he wasn't on my list, but there is no Pennywise the Dancing Clown without the Joker. Yeah. Like, the the clown at midnight trope, it existed, but it wasn't personified, really, until you got the Joker. Right. And I don't think it's a stretch to call him the greatest – I don't think it's a stretch at all to call him the greatest comic book villain in history. Like, as far as impact on popular culture goes, like, we have a ton – there's a ton of spooky clown movies – And I think they owe more to Dars. It's a cliche. Yes. I think they owe more to the Joker, certainly, than they do to to Pennywise. And, you know, Keith Ledger's reinterpretation of the character as this um, crazed anarchist, you know, just brought new life to the character. It's it's a great call, man. Such a a good boogeyman.
1: All right. You guys have any uh, honorable mentions? Oh, I had tons. Go ahead, Don. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Apocalypse,
0: Juggernaut um you know all all of those guys galactus x men villain <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah I, I was thinking of putting galactus on my list um i know that nowadays he's not so tough hell and thor number 6 thor beat him up killed him uh made his helmet the new bifrost chamber uh, but back in the day cool. back in the day it was like wait a minute the Watcher had to give Reed Richards something called the ultimate nullifier in order to beat this dude. Right.
2: The Otherwise, gonna... <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, he used to be much more impressive, but he's definitely an honor- honorable mention for me, Galactus. Cool.
2: I had on my honorable mention list, I had Norman Osborn, I had Bane, uh, and Black Adam. Those are my those were my um, honorable mentions, didn't quite make the cut, but the characters I'm big fans of when you opened it up to all pop fiction or all pop culture, I I decided to reach into some books and horror movies and stuff like that. But those are, those are some of my favorite comic villains.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously the the other character I was torn with was, uh, Doc Ock. Um, you know, in particular because, uh, Spider-Man two is still, um, and I'll fight you on this is still my favorite superhero movie of all time. And, um, you know, just that Alfred, uh, Molina. Molina thank you uh portrayal is is amazing it's a great story it's it's obviously not the Doc Ock from the comics they're you know um with the oh being torn between good and evil and the mind control of the arms and all that stuff yeah um which is part of the reason why I went with the Joker instead because it's like all the great stories with Doc Ock um you know the they're not really the true Doc Ock from the comics. So, uh, same thing with the Spider-Man game because they do the same kind of thing in the Spider-Man game. So, um, so
2: yeah, I I like the Elf and Molina jo- um, Doc Ock better than the the traditional comic Doc Ock. Yeah, I think he's a lot more. I think he's more sympathetic, and I think you understand his fall a little bit more. Like I don't know, it could be the gravitas that Molina brings to it, but I've always been a real big fan of that interpretation.
1: All right, so there's our top five villains uh john sorry that you were here not to to tell us yours um of course you're not really number one on all of our lists and uh we're curious uh for you our listeners who are some of your favorite villains let us know on twitter or instagram or um facebook you know you can find us just look for superhero speak and let us know what you think all right well let's wrap up this episode with some recommendations for our audience so, Don, you have any recommendations this week? I do, I
0: do. I'd say the thing that I recommend most uh, would be this, um, it's like a reprint of Giant Size X-Men number one. It's Tribute to Wine and Cockrum. It's a 48 page issue. Um, it's got Just a plethora, so an artist, a different artist does each page's artwork, of course, the first page done by Mr. Alex Ross himself. So I definitely recommend you go pick up the tribute to Wine and Cockrum, Giant Size X-Men. It's really like a mini graphic novel. You get the whole story of how the uh, new team of X-Men, along with Cyclops, go back and battle Krakoa for the old X-Men. And again, each page is done by a different artist. Um, and I just, it was, it was awesome. I recommend you go pick that up.
2: Cool. Cool. JD. I finished this book called The Cleaner by, uh, Mark Dawson, who's a real big name in indie publishing. He's got this 18 book series about this character named John Milton, who's a retired MI6 agent who, uh, you know, is trying to not be an assassin anymore. He goes to these different communities and just makes everything worse by showing up. But they're... (laughs) They're great stories. They're super well written. Um, they're like it's like a Jack Reacher style kind of thing. And man, I, I read the first one finally. Like I've been taking all Mark's courses, and you know he's a guy I've learned a lot from. And I finally said I'm gonna read this guy's books finally. And I just couldn't put the thing down. Like the, I highly recommend the, if you're looking for just a good like
1: popcorn book, I would just I can't say enough good things about The Cleaner. Cool, cool. Well, I you know what I've heard of those books before. They're good, man. They're real good. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check them out. All right. Well, I am gonna recommend that you go over to superheroespeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Uh, comic reviews by our good friend Don. We just put up a really good one. Um, Hollywood garbage. I'm sorry, Hollywood, Hollywood trash, trash. Number, number one. one. Yep. By uh, Mad Cave Studios. So definitely go check that out. There'll be a couple more up this week uh, for Mad Cave. And um, yeah, I don't really. I have had such a busy week. I haven't watched a lot of TV or um, or anything other than getting caught up on the boys. So uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about it on the show eventually, but I recommend that you watch it just in case we do. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So on that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for listening, and don't let your cape get caught in the door. Have a good week.